Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. And welcome to a special episode of the Crimson Corner Podcast. It's powered by KSLSports.com. I'm your host and Utah Utes insider, Trevor Allen, and I'm excited for this live episode. Ever since it was announced that he was done at the University of Utah, I've actually been uh, DMing him, trying to you know figure out a, a way to for you guys to be able to interact with him and also just catch up on his career. We uh, now go to the legend as Kyle Whittingham says, and everyone calls the uh, GOAT of Utah football, Drew Lisk. Drew, how are you, man? I'm doing good. Doing good, Trevor. Thanks for having me on. Uh, happy to be here. So now that you're done playing football, you can kind of now turn on your analyst hat and now be a fan. Um, first of all, say former you, how does that feel? Uh, it'll take a while to get used to. Uh, still kind of feel like, you know, Still like a player, still feel like a player, honestly. Uh, a lot of the times so I'm still in school too, so that's part of it. You know, I'm still um, close to campus where I was living uh, during the season and all. So um, it'll take a while, but you know, it's uh, something I'm getting used to and it's a decision that I feel good about making. So the transition so far has been smooth. I just want to start from the very beginning Jordan High School, you're named first team All State with the Jordan Beat Diggers. Just talk about that journey, playing for them, and then choosing where you wanted to go to school. Uh, that's, a, that's a loaded question. But uh, I would say from the football perspective, uh, being coached and shaped and molded uh, by Coach Care, he had a lot to do with that. Um, he's now at Corner Canyon, but he was at Jordan Laws there. Um, you know, I came in as a true freshman and, you know, started working with him. And he's he means business when he's – coaching so which is year round um so I, I developed a lot through him uh also got to sit behind Austin Capensis for three years uh, as a starter who held a ton of state records for uh quite a few years and still holds some I believe um so it was good to learn from him as well um you know once I got my chance my senior year you know it was time to show what I had been working on for three years um and it was a blast um 
as far as where I was going to school, that's a bit of a journey too, you know, for the first three and a half years of high school, I thought I would be playing college baseball. Uh, to be honest with you, I spent all of my time and effort trying to get recruited for baseball as far as going to camps and uh, workouts and stuff like that. Um, I just had more exposure on the baseball side with starting. Um, I played varsity as a freshman through my senior year. So um, that was probably my first love was baseball. Um, and so with the additional exposure compared to football, you know, that's where I thought I was going to go. Um, and then as the senior year of uh, football season kind of got going and got some momentum, uh, started hearing from some local smaller schools. Uh, but, you know, with the idea of playing baseball, I was kind of like, well, if I go there I'll, or go to a smaller school, I'd like to play both sports. Um, and a lot of the, you know, smaller schools around here don't have a baseball team. Uh, so that was kind of what cut off that connection from the beginning. Um, and then I think it was Coach Scally, you know, came came by the school, talked to Coach Care and brought me in and we had a good conversation. So they would offer a preferred walk-on and thought about it. And, you know, I figured, you know, I was, just an opportunity that I felt like I couldn't turn down. Um, I felt like it'd be a good test of my abilities and a great opportunity. So I took it and ran with it. And here it is five years later. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say that you were a pitcher. I did pitch. Uh, chances of pitching in college, probably not. I probably would have played probably third base. I played shortstop in high school probably would have switched over to third um, in college, but I, I, there was a chance I would have pitched depending on where I would have gone, but. Were, were you also known as a, uh, a, a slugger? Uh, I wish I had more power than I did. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of my high school coaches gave me a lot of crap for that being, you know, being six, one, I was probably 185 in high school or something like that. And I hit the middle of the lineup, but in, I hit one career home run in high school and it was my sophomore year. <laughs> Never again after that. So uh, I was I was a decent hitter. Uh, I was probably better in the field, but um, yeah, but it was fun. Baseball. I, I love baseball. So touching on Jordan, it was a few years ago when you were there uh, and I believe Austin was was uh, still the quarterback. Wasn't there a game that you guys played where it's like it like the final score was like 60 something? It was like in the 60s. Like, 70s. We went 70s. That, that's right. Triple overtime against Brighton, which was actually Cody Barton's senior year, I believe. Oh, man. Um, yeah, so, I mean, they had some guys. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, Sione started at Stanford and ended up here at Utah. He was a baller in high school. Uh, Simi Fajoko, who just had a great year at Stanford, declaring for the NFL draft. I mean, they had, they had some really good players on that team. And, um, I think, yeah, I think it was 77-70. to or something like that. In the fact that there was time. zero defense in that game is is not very. It's not shocking. But Cody Barton was playing <laughs> for Brighton, so that's that's kind of shocking. Yeah, exactly. We all know how good a player Cody is. But yeah, there were a lot of good athletes on the field for sure, and uh, it was a shootout. <laughs> so you then go to Utah. You were around some pretty good quarterbacks. Obviously, Tyler Huntley stands out. Troy Williams. He came in, and then Tyler Huntley beat him out in his sophomore year. Just talk about the quarterback room you were, you were a part of, especially at first. And then as you know, in this last year, you're in with Cam and, and Jake and others. Yeah. I mean, it's, we've seen quite a few faces come and go. Um, but, you know, I can honestly say that I've had good relationships with all of them. You know, um, I think 
you know, the first year, first year I didn't get to spend as much time. I was in the uh, scout meetings my freshman year. Uh, so I didn't spend quite as much time in the quarterback room itself. Um, but by my second year, uh, you know, I was hanging out with Tyler and Troy every day, learning from them. Um, and then Jason came along and we always had a good time. Uh, Cooper Bateman for, he was in for a year. Yeah. Uh, he's still in the area. Me and him, we golf and go bowling oh, really? every now and then. Yeah. Cooper was, uh, he was a character. <laughs> we loved having him in there, but that, that was probably the most fun that we had in the quarterback room was when, uh, Cooper was there. That was my second year. But uh, even since then, you know, Jason, he was always keeping everybody loose and having a good time. Uh, Tyler certainly doing the same thing. And then uh, Cam got in, and he's more of the same. He's a joy to be around. And then Jake last year with the addition uh, and Cooper coming in a little bit with us. Uh, you know, it's been a bunch of great, not only quarterbacks, but great minds to learn from and talk to and, also, just, you know, they're all great guys and enjoy being around them, spending time with them. There was a big quarterback competition in 2020 with you, with Cam, and with Jake. Just talk about how, you know, intense it was or was it more relaxed? I mean, especially during COVID, normally we're able to observe at least the last 20 minutes of camp practice, which is normally special teams and things like that. But we're at least <laughs> able to talk to you guys more often. But we were right. only able to talk to you guys, I think, twice throughout camp. Just talk about the quarterback competition leading up to the 2020 season. I mean, it was a it was a battle. I mean, I think we all three played. Unfortunately, camp got cut short because of an injury, which you never want to see. Um, so that was really unfortunate for him. Felt bad there. But, uh, you know, we all got to play. And I think we all, all showed that, you know, we, we're good players. Um, so, you know, each and every day, um, from my perspective, at least, you know, every day, you know, someone might have had a slightly better day here and there. But for the most part, I felt like across the board, we were getting good play out of the quarterback in practice. And so it made it, I mean, it was a challenge and it was fun showing up every day and being in the in the mix. So, um, you know, can't really say much else than that, but it was it was a lot of fun. I actually should know this, but what year were you awarded a, uh, a scholarship? That would have been spring 2018, so it was right. like after my second year. What was spring. it like yeah. when, when Kyle Whittingham told you that you were going to be on scholarship? Uh, that was awesome. You know, I mean, um, he brought me into his office and, and told me, and that was pretty sweet, you know. Um, it's something that you work, work towards. Um, I was actually – talking to someone the other day and they're asking me about it. And, you know, not only does like when I came, it was kind of to prove myself and it wasn't necessarily, okay, I want to get a scholarship. Obviously that would be great. But, you know, for me, it was more of a, do I belong in college football at this level kind of a thing. Um, and I think getting a scholarship not only was a testament to that, that I did, you know, I feel like I can, I do belong here, but also I think just, just goes to show that, you know, if you do work hard and do things the right way, that at some point someone's going to notice. And I think um, that that was probably, in my opinion, you know, the most self-rewarding part of that was to say, OK, you know what, like the process does work. And and I know it doesn't necessarily happen to everyone, but if you have the ability and you come to work every day with the right attitude and you do things the right way, um, that was just what I tried to 
do every single day. And um, so that, that was really cool for sure. And also just um, my parents are extremely generous and they were, they were paying for my school. So to be able to say, Hey, you know, y'all don't have to do that anymore. That was, that was a big part of it too. That felt good to, you know, for how much they've done to me, done for me. I felt like, you know, I could say, Hey, kind of return the favor a little bit and say, Hey, you don't have to pay for my school anymore. So that was kind of, that was cool too. So, yeah, yeah, that is really cool. Now I am shocked that Kyle Whittingham didn't do some kind of creative way to tell the whole team that you were on scholarship, because I know in 2019, there were like three different occasions. One of them involved a giant pizza during your guys's meeting. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I can't remember who it was. Uh, and then, and then there was one where one of the players, I think it was uh, Mason, um, his wife, was was one of the equipment managers as as they were being introduced and she said that it was her and that he was on scholarship and you guys all go nuts i love those moments because you guys all just like dogpile on whoever it is who got a scholarship <laughs> and go nuts i mean the fact you guys haven't had injuries from one of those things it, it, it amazes me but i just love those stories of walk-ons who work their butts off and then kyle whittingham coming up with a very creative way and maybe it's not kyle whittingham who comes up with that idea and maybe they, they just tell him how, you know, it should go. But I love those stories. Yeah. I don't, I, to be honest with you, I don't, I don't know why that wasn't the case in my situation, but, uh, and I mean, that would have been cool, but because I had certainly from an outsider who is celebrating your teammate that gets put on, it's obviously just a great moment. But um, so I don't know what, if there was a reason why it didn't happen that way, but you know, to me, I mean, <laughs> just to be on was, that's all I needed, and that was enough for me. <laughs> all right, we're going to take a break real quick. When we come back, more from former Utah quarterback Drew Lisk. You're listening to the Crimson Corner Podcast. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America, but this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin, and my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back into the Crimson Corner Podcast, powered by kslsports.com. I'm your host and youth insider, Trevor Allen. As we pick up from where we left off in our two-part series with former Utah quarterback Drew Lisk, we're going through part one right now, and I'll have part two posted on the next episode of the Crimson Corner Podcast. Here is the rest of part one with former Utah quarterback Drew Lisk. Okay, now... Moving on to 2020, uh, you guys had to play a season in the middle of a pandemic. At first, you guys were going to play, and then your guys' non-conference games, including the BYU series, which you're now another member of that class, of that group who's never lost to BYU. I'm just going to point that out right now. I know it's probably going to piss off BYU fans, whoever's tuning in, if they are. (laughs) But on on top of that, you guys then were going to go conference only. It was going to be 10 games. 
And then all of a sudden, after the uh, Big Ten put the axe on it, so did the Pac-12. So then we go months and months without it. And then the Big Ten's like, I think we want to play. And then the Pac-12's like, I think we want to follow you guys too. Sorry if I'm, you know, kind of put a little more shade towards the Pac-12. We can actually do that now, by the way. <laughs> since, since you're now not, not playing, you don't have to worry about getting in trouble by the coaches. I'm not setting you up for that. But, you know, and then you guys have a shortened schedule, six games, and then you guys had games canceled. But you guys were also doing tests daily, and you guys had to go through a whole outbreak among the team, which led to those two game cancellations. Just talk about the challenges of having to try and play a college football game in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, I don't really know where to start, but uh, (laughs) all all that, you know, all that is certainly was a challenge. Uh, Every day was a challenge. Um, But I guess to go back to your comment, you know, about the Pac-12 and, you know, the Big Ten, the Pac-12 was taking a lot of heat from everyone for their decisions. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, from my perspective, I felt like, you know, it felt good to whether or not, you know, obviously we wanted to play and, um, you know, regardless of the decision, I can honestly say that it did feel good to feel like that they were actually putting our health as the number one interest, you know, whereas, you know, um, other conferences were playing and maybe they had the right things set in place to keep the players safe and play. And most of the teams made it through the season, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, when, when it came down to it, uh, all their protocols and everything, you have to commend them for it. Cause I mean, yeah, we got those two games cut out, but, um, you know, we got hit pretty hard there for a second, but at the end of the day, we got to play and, you know, it probably wouldn't have been possible without the protocols and everything that they had in place. And certainly a difficult task, right? It's easy for all of us to sit here and be like, Oh, we should be playing. Well, yeah, we, we're not a liability for anything. So, you know, it was a tough situation uh, for everyone involved. And, you know, it's at the same time, you can sit here and say, oh, we had a tough, but, you know, there's a lot more people that have had it, have dealt with this pandemic in worse ways. So looking back on it, you know, it's we're fortunate that we got to play when we did and that for the most part, we came out healthy. So um, challenging, but kind of something that Coach Witt preached to us, you know, everyone's dealing with the same thing. So uh challenging and unique for this year but not unique to other other people in our position so just something that we had to had to deal with day in and day out and overall i felt like we did a solid job so then you guys go in, into the year and then cam goes down early in that second quarter in, in the opener against usc so then jake's the guy um and you're obviously the backup and you guys go through, you guys have, you know, a really tough game against Washington where you guys had the lead and then Washington just storms back. And then you guys knocked off Oregon State um, and, you know, just just kind of starting the run there. But then you guys come up to the Washington State game. This is a team who coming into the game, I think only had three games played um, because they were hit pretty hard with with COVID as well throughout the season. And, you know, you guys were heavy favorites going into that game. And, you you know, you guys were riding a lot of momentum. And then Jake's just not – I mean, it wasn't his day. I'm, I'm not going to say he's, you know, a bad quarterback because he is a good quarterback. It just was not his day. The throws weren't there. And, I mean, other than the one break off with uh, Britton Covey. But as you guys are down 
or as you're getting closer to that and you're you're standing on the sidelines are you kind of getting an inkling that maybe you're going to be put into the game uh i mean you kind of are going with the flow of the game um you know i'm engaged as far as being on the headset and signaling in plays and all that stuff so I'm pretty locked into the game, um, always trying to stay ready, stay loose, stay ready. Because even regardless of playing good, not playing good, you know, an injury, anything can happen, boom, just like that. So uh, you kind of got to just always stay ready um, regardless of the situation. Uh, so, you know, when they when they came on the headset and told me I was just ready to go. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's really anything different. You just kind of always, as the two number two guy, uh, from my experience, you got to be ready to go regardless of the situation. So, you know, when they told me I was ready. Who was the one who I told you? Was it uh, Ludwig? Uh, yes, sir. Coach Ludwig told me, yep. So he tells you you're going in. You guys are down 28-7. When when did he tell you? Did did he tell you right after Jake came off the field? Yes, it was that interception that they returned almost for down to the goal line. Yeah, down so to the line. So it was right after that. Yes, sir. Yep. So right after that, you know you're going to be going in. They end up scoring a touchdown. You guys are down 28-7 now, and it's late second quarter. What's going through your mind? Um, you know, let's just go in and do what we do. Uh, not time to hit panic mode. I mean, I actually felt people ask me, they're like, Drew, did you look, did you feel as calm as you looked out there? And I was like, I, yeah, I did. You know, I felt, I felt calm and confident and, yeah, you did. um, you know, it felt good out there and we were able to get some, you know, we almost, uh, that drive at the end of the half, we almost got in field goal range. I made a bad throw to Brett kind of tried to jump a little bit. So still kick myself a little bit for that one. But uh, so we almost got, we had a little bit of momentum almost even going into the locker room, even though we didn't score, uh, just felt good to get out there and play a little bit. And then second half came and we were able to get it rolling. And once we got it rolling, we didn't, we, we didn't stop. So that was fun. Now there's actually, you know, a play and I actually wish I would have had it up here to be able to, to play it, but um, there was a throw on third down, as you guys were, uh, in, you know, in the middle of your comeback, it was a third and long play. And Brant Keithy, you end up throwing it to him over to the sideline. And at first, for one, he was ruled out. And for us, uh, up clear up in the booth, sixth floor of the stadium, we're looking at it and we're all thinking the same thing until they then stop play and look at it. And Brant had one foot down. And I don't know how he did with all of the momentum going out of bounds and he was still able to just get his toes right onto the green grass before going out of bounds. And that, obviously, it didn't give you guys a first down, but it was like fourth and one or fourth and two after that, and you guys were able to convert. Now, talk about that whole play and that read and everything. Just, I mean, that was just a phenomenal play. And I think had you guys not converted that, I don't know where you guys would have been as far as the, the uh, comeback because there was a lot of momentum going after that. Right, yeah. I mean, led to a touchdown ultimately. Um I just remember it got a little bit of pressure. I had to get outside the pocket, escape a little bit, and saw Brent running that way. And I was honestly thinking, you know, worst case scenario, this ball's thrown out of bounds. Like he can't catch it. Um, but, you know, I was able to put it in a spot to give him a chance. And like you said, unbelievable catch. And, um, you know, like you said, that little sliver of green in between his foot and the, the white line out of bounds. Uh, and, you know, next thing you know, fourth and one, I believe. And I think the next play was a touchdown. 
Yeah, uh, wasn't that ties around right? the edge? Yes, sir. Yeah, around the right edge. So, um, you know, big play for sure. And a lot of credit to Brant because that was an unbelievable catch. Um, like I said, I was hoping at best chance Brant catches this. Worst case, it's it's out of bounds incomplete. Uh, and he made a great catch. And like you said, huge momentum play. Gave us a chance and then scored a touchdown the next play. Without that, we're probably punting and who knows what happens from there. But So you guys end up getting the win. It was obviously capped off with uh, Clark Phillips, the uh, true freshman, getting that uh, pick six. But you guys go into the locker room. You guys win. You guys score 31 unanswered points in order to get the win. Shut them out on defense in that second half. Just to kind of give you an an idea, I've been covering the Utes for about 10 years uh, between my old radio job and now for KSLsports.com. And I don't remember many times that Kyle Whittingham's handed out a game ball. I could be completely wrong because we're not in the locker room. But when he called out your name, the legend, Drew Lisk, and handed you the game ball, what was that feeling? Uh, that was that was special. Um, you know, being, being recognized and, you know, when you get support and recognition from your peers, uh, I think that was the biggest thing was just the reaction from the teammates and just – everyone going crazy um when you when you want to be respected by your coach obviously um or else you're not going to get i mean your coach if your coach doesn't have respect for you you don't have a chance but yeah. uh once you gain that you know i think the highest regard would be getting respect from your peers your teammates uh so just that reaction and i, I knew that they supported me and they respected me as a player uh but just to kind of see it all at once uh that was really special for sure um I would say that was probably the best part of it, to be honest with you. Uh, now, I do have to say, um, I know, like you said, y'all aren't in the locker room. It's not as special or unique. Like most, pretty much most wins, uh, someone gets a game ball, whether it be the whole team, the defense, uh, some one player for sure, or it could be. Uh, so, I mean, it happens. So, okay. <laughs> I don't consider because myself normally, that on the pedestal. But uh, Normally, they don't like it, – it's not posted on, on social media. That was, right, that was the right. main thing because it blew up on Twitter when Kyle handed you the game ball because normally for a win, we don't really know. I mean, it, you right, know, we right. – yeah. and, you know, normally during whenever we're not going through a global pandemic, we just go down into the – into that room just over over by the locker rooms, the old locker room, which will now be is already torn down, you know, just to have that happen. But then as you're thinking about this, you know, say hours after the game, you led a comeback of 28-7. You guys were down 28-7 at the half. Did you sit back later at night following the game after everything settled a little bit and said, man, I can't believe I just did that or that we just did that? Uh, that's what I was going to say. We, I mean, you you noted it just a couple of minutes ago, but it doesn't really get talked about. The defense didn't give up a point the whole second mm-hmm. half. I mean, if they score two touchdowns, we don't win. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that, that was as big, if not a bigger factor than what we were able to do on offense. Um, and so, you know, I mean, across the board, it was an unbelievable comeback team effort. Um coaches with halftime adjustments and everything and everyone just keeping their composure really more than anything. If um, people are freaking out, you know, then that doesn't help your chances, but uh, yeah, reflecting on it and just realizing, you know, what we were able to do um, and come back and win that game uh, certainly just 
such a special memory and day for me and for our whole team to come back and win that. Knowing it was our last game too, uh, and just ending the year with something like that was was really great. I want to touch on the the uh, bowl game and you guys opting out of it here in just a minute, but I do want to bring up something and I want to get your thoughts on it. After the game, Kyle Whittingham told us that you were one of his favorite players. And that, I mean, for a guy who's coached as long as he has and been the head coach for as long as he has, that really says a lot because he hasn't said that about too many players. At least, I mean, we, we don't ask him, do you have any favorite players? But just whenever we, we ask him about certain players, whenever it came to you and coming in and leading the, the a charge for that comeback, he said that you were one of his favorite players. What does that mean to you? Well, when it comes from someone, like you said, with the career and just the longstanding time that he's been, not only, I mean, just a coach in general, but even a head coach. Um, I mean, the guy has shown that he can win and has proven that he can consistently win. Um, so to come from someone like that, I mean, I have a ton of respect for him and the program he runs. Uh, I mean, I think like everyone else gets to see on a yearly basis, he puts a good product on the field each and every year. Um, so to come from someone like him, who especially his kind of, you know, tough approach uh, to the game as far as being a tough guy, um, kind of old school approach, you know, that he has. Um, I don't know. That, that's pretty cool to hear it come from him. And it means a lot um, from any coach, any coach that you have, you kind of always, uh, as long as you respect him, you look up to him um, and you appreciate when they have good things to say about you. It usually means a lot if you respect coaching, certainly respect him. So him saying that, that meant a lot for sure. And there you go. That was part one of our two-part series with former Utah quarterback Drew Lisk. You guys will have to tune in next episode as he goes over why Utah decided to not play in the bowl game and what's next for this Utah football team heading into 2021. He has great insights on that, so make sure you guys check it out on the next episode of the Crimson Corner Podcast. Thank you for listening. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.